This is Multinew Media. Hi there, everyone. I'm Chase Raz, and I am I'm so delighted. I'm downright giddy. It is the most wonderful time of the year. And no, I don't mean anything about December or New Year's or Christmas. I mean it's Nerd Out November, our third annual Nerd Out November. With me today to celebrate this most festivist of recurring, like how I threw that in there. I like the yeah. festivist. Recurring multi new media episodes is Garrett Albritton, who is filling in for Chris Ayers while he's out taking care of some other business. Uh, you may remember Garrett, though, from episode 85, just a few episodes back about Star Trek. Garrett, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for coming back. And I, I will tell you, I know you're looking at me like I'm a little bit crazy now. This is my favorite episode of the year. We do 30 episodes a year. Uh, we've done that at least in seasons one, two, and three. And we're coming up to the end of season three. And this is a chance to just say, okay, behind the scenes, behind the business people, behind the tech people, <clears throat> we're all kind of nerds at heart. And just to check that pulse, where are we at? What are you nerding out with right now? And I want to put you first because my list, if, if you don't stop me, we're going to be here for hours. Okay. So what am I nerding out with right now? That That's actually easy, especially this time of year, looking back for the last three years, because Disney's made it really easy for us to nerd out this type of year or this time of year because it's Star Wars season. Ah, and we had two oh. years ago, we had... Uh, episode seven, and now last year we had Rogue One, and don't, now we got Episode Eight. Uh, now don't confuse the people. I just had you on for a Star Trek episode, and they know I'm a Star Trek fan. And here we are talking Star Wars. I You're starting like, to sound like Christopher Woodward. I like, <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like many, many things in sci-fi. Yeah, I like Star Trek. Star Trek for one reason. I like Star Wars for other reasons. Yeah. You know. So are you going to be hitting any of the parks, doing any of the uh, the Star Wars stuff that the parks do? Or is this going to be movie season because we've got a new movie coming? Well, we got we got the new movie coming. I've already got my tickets for that. Let's see. What uh, date does that release? December – should be December 15th? No, December 14th. Thursday, December 14th. Wow. Yeah, so it's coming so up you already soon. have tickets? I already got the tickets Am I behind the curve on this? Because you're, I actually want to see this movie. You're way behind the curve on this. They were sold out in a lot of theaters I'm here just, in Orlando. I'm so used to them having um, – I wanted to say an episode – a movie – Every year now with the cadence going kind of like Intel's old TikTok. Mm -hmm. It's like we have the main storyline and then a then a tangent. Yeah. So I've, I kind of just I kind of just show up at the theater and say one you know, two. Well, my wife and I go two tickets for this, please. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I like the cadence that got going with it. It is good. pretty cool. That and the Marvel cadence. But to answer your question, yeah. um, there's not really anything new in the parks, so to speak, for Star Wars yet. That's down the road. That should be but, what, next uh, year in 2019, right? Starting in 2019, I think oh, it's when they're going to open some of it. Uh, but at Disney Springs, which for anyone that hasn't been to Orlando, it used to be downtown Disney. Mm -hmm. They're opening up a Star Wars VR experience in on the same day as the movie opens, actually. So that's December cool. 15th. And uh, that's... It's not, a, it's not a tethered VR experience, which is awesome. So now yeah. we get to the nerd tech. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a VR backpack. So you actually nice. wear a backpack that's got the receivers and a computer and a video card in it that runs the headset that you wear. Mm -hmm. And then you're given props based on the character you're playing as part of the experience. And the storyline... I'm going to go in and they're going to make me like an Ewok or something because... That would I, be appropriate. I, I've seen every movie and I just can't remember <laughs> them, you know? Did you know other people like that? 
Yes. Like, I know that yeah. people, uh, because I like Star Trek, I know people who are that way with Star Trek. They mm-hmm. can't remember a thing. And like, but we watched all the movies. That's but what I, I tell remember them. them yeah. I'm that way with Star Wars. I, I, I love the imagery. I love the little pew, pew, pew fight scenes, but I can't remember the plot. Ever. Well, the good thing here is you don't have to remember the plot because it's a completely original story. Good. So I just need to know what a lightsaber is. I don't even think you need to know that. You just have to know what stormtroopers are. I've got what that. the rebellion is. I've got that. The idea behind it is you're you're a, you're a rebel strike team that's sent in by rebel high command to infiltrate an imperial base. And then the VR experience isn't just a big open space where you've got the VR headset on. You're actually walking through corridors and there's doors. And when you reach out to grab a handle in the, in the virtual reality world, yeah. you actually physically connect with a handle in the real world. Cool. So you're feeling it. So it's an overlay of virtual reality, uh, almost an augmented reality, virtual reality gaming experience. I'm going to have to give that a try. Yeah, I can't wait for it. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that up because I was thinking when, as I come up with this list, I mean, admittedly, I spend months coming up with this list. This is like a this is like a Christmas list for a child. That's what <laughs> I do with this. And I was thinking that movies for me are so sorely lacking, right? I've got a TV list. Like right now, we, we've talked about Star Trek before, but even though um, I'm into a couple other shows, Gotham, um, they've gotten a little bit gory this season, but I'm still really into Gotham for some reason. And I love Batman. Um, and a show I never watched before, but now I'm into, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it was Terry Crews that got me into it. I love Terry Crews' career. Uh, it's not like I follow it, but it just I, I think the guy's hilarious. And, um, yeah, he's pretty funny. So I'm into those right now, but I'm, I'm looking and I have this big void of movies. What? What am I missing? There's got to be something well, I'm missing. Like I said, you got Star Wars coming up. Uh, you've got Justice League in two weeks. Ah, I did see an ad for that. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm hoping it's a lot better than the previous outings in the DC Universe. I mean, they, they, they got better with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was, that a, was really, a good movie. Really, really good, good movie. movie. So I'm hoping Justice League actually follows suit with Wonder Woman and is, is not... A jump back to what we had previously yeah. with Batman versus Superman, which was oh, just not. I made right. it through. Wasn't that the one that started in some city destruction scene? Yeah, yeah. I made it halfway through that scene, or what I assumed to be halfway through that scene, <clears throat> and I have not seen the rest of the movie. And I, I'm telling you, I know Gotham isn't the most popular TV show. I love Batman and that story so much that I've hung in there through you know through the tough parts and the really mm-hmm. good parts as well. And I couldn't make it through that movie. In a way, that's too bad because I think the best part of the movie, outside of Gal Gadot as the Wonder Woman and the few minor scenes she was in, I actually think the best part of the movie was Ben Affleck. He, I thought he just did a great yeah. job as Batman I, and Bruce Wayne. You know, I know a lot of people have an issue with I don't. I, I, if if you're an actor and you get the chance to play Batman, you play Batman. You do it. Exactly. I mean, I don't. It doesn't bother me. You know. Yeah. I yeah, so I what if? Yeah. So what if you don't give? I mean, what if you're George Clooney and you don't give the best performance of your life? So what? You got you. You were just Batman. Exactly. <laughs> There's not many people that can say that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, so you have that, and then outside of the realm of comic and sci-fi nerddom, uh, this week, I guess when everybody hears this, probably. Last no, week. Right, because I'm going to be putting this out just uh, – so we're recording on – what is this, Thursday? Yeah. This episode is going out the following Monday, so we, we don't have any type of time Okay, barrier. so in that case, last Friday, for you who are listening <laughs> today, Monday, uh, is um, Murder on the Orient Express by Kenneth Branagh. So that goes into more of the literature nerd side of things, and man, does it look good. That is going to be one. That, you know, and I, I guess I just blanked when I was coming up with my list over here because um, I, I've 
you know, obviously seen a lot of media for that. It's it has been uh, the talk of the town, so to speak. But I just, um, you know, I I guess I wasn't excited for it. I haven't been building up to it, you know, following production for the past two years yeah. or something like that. I just honestly just heard about it about two or three weeks ago. Yeah. I didn't know about it until I saw the trail a trailer the first time during one of the summer movies. Yeah. And that I got really excited then. I've I've always been a huge Kenneth Branagh fan. Yeah. And I love Thor, the first one, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And I, my my uh, connection with him and following what he does goes all the way back to his first really really big film in the US, which was a Henry V. Mm. And just his his portrayal of Henry and his directing of it was just I've phenomenal. I've never seen that, but I'd like to. <clears throat> it's really good. Yeah. It's a it's a very gritty, real-world take on it using the original script. So they stick to Shakespeare's actual language. They don't try to change it up at all. That's good. And they do this really interesting um, this interesting thing to pull the audience in where it starts out with a modern-day narrator behind the scenes on a set hmm. giving, giving the narration of the chorus. And then he walks into medieval England. Uh, see, this is why I love Nerd Out November, because think about the boardroom meeting that had to happen to come up with that idea. Right. Do you ever just, I don't know, sit at your desk or drive around and you're thinking about, you know, how a franchise could play out or how a novel could play out? Maybe maybe it's a novel you're reading and you just haven't finished and you're thinking, oh, I hope the author does this. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had a weird one recently. I've been thinking about Steven Spielberg and I've been just crossing my fingers, <laughs> hoping that someone that I believe, I guess NBC Universal would still own it, would say, you know what? We screwed up Sequest. Let's go back to it. Oh, I'd love that. Sequest was such a Let's good show. Let's revisit it. Maybe try it as a movie. Maybe try it like um, when Battlestar Galactica rebooted. That Let's was try fun. it with a miniseries or, or something. Uh, and I'm also having a big throwback to the 90s with both of these. I'm having a big Babylon 5 withdrawal. Just all of a sudden, it's... I want you know, to see old episodes. It's funny you say that. I, I go through these bouts every now and then where I just desperately miss Babylon 5. Yeah. I, I have very fond memories of catching it every week. Mm-hmm. And back at that point, um, my my parents and I had a one of the big old school satellite dishes. Yeah. Not a direct TV dish. One of the yep. big ones. You know, where you had to actually dial in each satellite. Yeah. The one where if you were on a trampoline, you had to watch out for it. Because- right. Uh, so this thing, you could dial in each satellite. And the cool thing about it was when Babylon 5 was first airing, yeah. I managed to find completely by accident in the middle of season two, the uplink, the oh. the network or the, the, the studio yeah. fed out to the network by satellite. And they did it a week ahead of when the shows actually aired. Oh, that's great. So I was able to actually sit there and watch the show a week before it actually came on, which was awesome. <laughs> I always wanted a satellite dish as a kid. Now I'm jealous that I never had one because that's the type of stuff I wanted to do. Like I wanted to get the main feed. Oh, there was all kinds of fun stuff you could do. Because all that stuff's encrypted now, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you can't get anymore. They do it over the internet now. Yeah, there's no more satellite broadcasting like that in many cases. Yeah, you know the stuff you could get on that thing. We could pick up all kinds of weird shows from Japan. I think my my weirdest thing I ever found was uh, Billy Ray Cyrus singing "Achy Breaky Heart" in Japanese in Tokyo. Oh, how long do you think he had to rehearse that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I just don't know. I mean, I, listen. I don't want to take too much of a departure here, but um, you you were talking about television being uh, encrypted and sent because what most of cable is um, MPEG two, right? I, that's I'm pretty sure it is MPEG two still. Uh, anyone out there who knows differently, feedback at multinewmedia.com and tell me how how behind the times I am. 
But what's really impressing me right now, and the, one of the things I'm nerding out a lot about, is the cloud in general. <laughs> and it's not that I want – I don't want to – right, this is Nerd Out November. I don't want to sour the mood and, and start talking business technology. But I've been thinking about – you've got to – are you ready to go on a little ride for a moment? Absolutely. I've been thinking about the cloud as a modern instance of blending feudalism and capitalism. Are you still with me? I'm, I'm following. So King, think about this. You've got King Bezos and King Nadella over here. And you're never going to outpace those empires, right? This is think of any think of any king in history, and you know the little neighboring village is not going to knock this off. Right. You're going to need billions of dollars of infrastructure if you, infrastructure if you want to compete against these companies. But unlike feudalism, where it's here, surf, here's a little piece of land to sustain yourself, and by the way, we're going to tax you on it. It's the idea of here's all this land. There's no limit to it. How much can you afford? How much can you conquer on the capitalist market? It's taking this – to me, it's the digital world is evolving through the economic systems. Remember when people would say the web is the, the wild west? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. now we're not this – I think that was a bad analogy in the first place. But we're not the you know these primitive days of there's no culture, no civilization. I think on the web we're getting to this very feudal point. We have these big Elon Musk – Bill Gates, you know, then what it was Steve Ballmer, then it was uh, Satya Nadella, and then it was it was Steve Jobs, and now it's Tim Cook, and we have these big empires that you're not going to topple. Yeah, that's true. My mind's been a, going crazy on that. It's certainly going to take a lot to topple something like Amazon or Netflix, yeah, or Hulu. And I, I, I guess I'm on this because I've been thinking too much about it. We we switched MultiNewMedia.com over from a uh, a host that we were using that was in turn using you know, a host for host. And you know how this stuff tears yeah. up. And I finally looked and I said, listen, light sales out there. It's $5 a month for the base tier. Let's try it. And I'm just so floored. And this is what got me on the economic string of it was f- lowering the cost by, by about 80% of what we were spending before. Wow. So we, we were paying 20% of what we were spending before. The reduction was 80%. And it just made me feel like, okay, I'm this little surf in this large... In this large, uh, this large kingdom, but it was, um, it's exciting because the site's faster, but I feel there's opportunity, right? There's this opportunity to say, okay, how much of it can you take? How much of a land grab? How much can you make these kingdoms expand? That makes sense? Or it, am I just... It, it does make sense. So it, that's... <clears throat> it does make sense, yeah. yeah. It's almost, it's almost like a, a new evolution of the internet boom that happened back in the early days. It, it, I, I Hopefully, think so. it won't explode as rapidly as that one did. I don't no, think yeah, it will. Yeah. You've got to have busts, but I think we'll eventually get a little bit of a deflation. Yeah. I, I really think, um, I don't know. I, I think this is sad. Uh, I think all the VR stuff is ready for a little bit of deflation. We've got to come back to grips of what we're doing and the economic realities. I think the cloud will be due for some deflation, but not for a few years, I don't think. So what type of similar – do you have anything similar like this where you just go and say, all right, I can't ever tell anybody any of this or they'll think I'm crazy unless it's nerd out November? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So final thought on your feudalism thing, just to totally bring it back to nerd out November. And interestingly enough, it will segue with where I'm about to go. Perfect. 
you, you know, if, if it truly is feudal kingdoms, maybe you can get Bezos's attention and you can become Sir Chase of Amazon. But that's the, so in my secret notes that no one has seen, <laughs> it's like you're trying to attain knighthood or become a noble person. You're never going to be the king. You're uh, billions of dollars is what you need, but yeah. you could get knighthood. You could you could be that new upstart that oh by the way, so our infrastructure's over on Amazon. Yeah, so know? like I said, I promised it would segue. Yeah, perfect. All right. So as long as it's not about segways. No, absolutely not. So I I, I like I said in the the, the discovery episode, I'm a self-confessed nerd in many 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 areas. One of those areas that has been something that has been with me since I was 7 years old. And a part of my life, nonstop practically, Uh-oh. is Dungeons & Dragons. Really? Yes. Not just Dungeons & Dragons, but just tabletop role-playing in general. Yeah. And now, over the last several years, I've, I've found online tools and cloud tools, which allow me to take the tabletop role-playing virtual so that the group that I DM mm-hmm. uh, is all over the world. That's cool. Which is really cool. Yeah. So we've been able to have a consistent five-year-long running campaign with people and friends from all over the world to come together. Five so, years? Is this like... Oh, this, so this one is five years. I'm yeah. not into D&D much. I've, I've had a couple of friends try to pull me into it. And it's just, for me, I always tell people like, I'd love to, I don't have the time. Or I don't, I don't perceive that I have mm-hmm. the time. Is this one game? Sort of. It's one world. One world, okay. And I've had, I've had two concurrent storylines running with each other with two different groups. Yeah. That are telling pieces of the same larger story that are about to in a month come together for their first crossover experience. So it'll be like a big TV show crossover where they do a major thing that will change the way the world's going to work moving forward. So that's not the secret thing that I don't (laughs) tell people. Oh, that was the no, that's I I talk about D and D all the time. I thought that would be the five year game is like impressive. The secret the secret thing that I don't tell people most of the time is that sometimes for fun. I will mentally assess people as to what character class they would be and what their uh, skill levels are. I can't fault you for that. I did that when I was yeah. really into Skyrim. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's, sometimes I'll look at somebody when they fail at something and they you definitely rolled a one. Oh. Yeah. So there, there's my secret nerdy moment that's not, not so secret anymore. I, I, my wife knew it before this, but... Do we do we have... <laughs> is there any type of documentation of, of this system so that someone who's new to it can learn it so I can start... Uh, Knowing what people roll, and I can communicate with you and say, you know, there. I can uh, I can walk you through the basics. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because um, there's so speaking of, uh, we were talking about Chris Ayers being on a hiatus earlier, and uh, again, thank you very much for filling in for him. Sure. And, and um, I, I want to get the two of you guys talking after he comes back because he once introduced me to his local uh, gaming facility. And I saw the coolest thing I've ever seen right now, admittedly, we're all nerds. So it's really the nerdiest thing I've ever seen. But, you know, you know, even as a nerd, all and all of us are everybody who listens, everybody who doesn't listen to the show. It doesn't matter if you're a nerd or not. Everybody's a nerd about something. And I've never really I like the traditional board games, Monopoly, Risk. But I haven't gone into the characters and all of that type of game. And I walked in and there are all of these little figurines and fake trees and fake mountains and everything on a tabletop. And these folks, no joke, had tape measures out measuring everything, determining the next move, which, and it, there were signs all in this game place of do not touch the boards. Like this is a game in progress over yep. a multi-week period. I don't even remember what the game was. I know there are several of them out there. I'm just, I am, I, I think if I win the lottery, 
I may defer moving to that tropical island for a few months just so I can learn this game and pick up a few games of it before I become a hermit. Fair enough. <laughs> well, the good thing is the, uh, the, the one that I play, Pathfinder, mm-hmm. regularly, it's easy to learn. Well, so if you ever want to learn it, we can sit down one afternoon. I can teach you what you need to know to be a player in an hour. Okay, so that's not the problem. The problem is how long does it take to then play oh, a game? The great thing is it's, it's all about how the game master designs the story. So if you wanted to have a story that we could play out in four hours, yeah, I could write an easy story that you can play out in four hours. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out, multi-year epic. It yeah. can be short things. I think this is one of – these types of games are something that if you want to do any type of writing in life, whether it's for television, movies, books, whether you just want to be a self-published author, mm-hmm. whether you are in marketing and writing copy – like, I think these types of games are things that people should pay more attention to and not brush them off as just, oh, it's a tabletop game and I don't do tabletop games. I do this type of game or I play cards or whatever. But I think that's really good. And and, and maybe all of these folks in business, intent, the business side, if, not, if we lost the business audience a long time ago, it's it's all of our nerds here with us now. They know what's coming in this episode. Um, but it, all the folks in business, we, we sign up for Toastmasters to become better speakers. Mm-hmm. What about better content creators to get the material for the better speech? That's a really good point. And to that point, the reason I love tabletop gaming so much is because it's all about storytelling at its core. Mm -hmm. And back to the business side of things, a business person, no matter what business you're in, has to be a good storyteller if you want to succeed. I've learned that. Years ago, I would have rolled my eyes at you. And I was like, here we go with this stuff again. How am I telling a story by selling, you know, sugar water and and packets of rice and, and widgets and computers? And I don't know if it's <laughs> I don't know if it's age or what, but at some point, I guess it's not. I know I've, I've seen kids get it, mm-hmm. but you just at some point it just <clears throat> clicks. And I don't I won't say it's fully clicked. There's still a lot of fog in my head about it, but. Um, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm in marketing. My degrees are in marketing. I teach marketing. I work in marketing. And still there are some times I look and I go, hey, come on, do we really have to? And then the back of my head says, yeah, you know, we have to, we have to make this a story. Otherwise, what's the purpose? You're either filling a basic human need on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But if you're beyond, I'm hungry, you have food. Mm-hmm. So if you're beyond, I'm at a festival and you're selling food and water, Anywhere past that point in the modern Western capitalist world, it's you're going for self-actualization. Yeah. And you've got to make a connection. I don't care if you're selling yep. socks. You absolutely do. And think about Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. Not so much now because they think they have very much lost their way in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, they're still one of the financially the a behemoth. They're not competing with Chinese banks, right. but they're they're up there. So, but, but story-wise. They're the only company that can compete with Chinese banks. I'll put it that way. That's probably true. So, story-wise, um, not so much now, but more when, when Jobs was in mm-hmm. charge. Apple wasn't selling products. Yeah. Apple was selling a story. They, they Sure, they had the iPhone. They had the MacBook. You know, they had the iPod at that point. But they, they, weren't, they weren't really about selling a phone or a computer. They were about selling the story of the lifestyle that went with that. Mm-hmm. And the people that became the huge raging Apple fanboys and girls were the ones who wanted that lifestyle. Yeah. So they bought into the story. And because they bought into that story, look at how many other 
business people started to buy into that story. And it changed the way technology works in the world right now to the point where smartphones are everywhere. Yeah. Every computer manufacturer that's developing laptops is using the MacBook as a template. Just look at all the new PCs that are yeah, starting to come out. Okay, other I'm, than I'm gaming PCs. You, I don't know about that because Apple hasn't updated the design in so long. And I, I yes, <clears throat> if we walked into a Best Buy or if we went online with Newegg or Amazon, mm-hmm. I think three, four years ago, we saw a lot of HPs especially that looked like a MacBook. I really, okay, so everybody knows I'm admittedly, I, I love Windows. I love it even more now that I can have Ubuntu command line on Windows. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to boot up into Ubuntu desktop. I love GUIs. That's another issue though. So all you command line people, I'm sorry. I'm not, I am nerding out about it, but I'm not. I still love GUIs. But I, I don't know. I, if you go look at an HP right now or even a Samsung and compare it to a MacBook, I mean, we're, we're sitting in front of a MacBook right now. I'm going to take the HP Spectre. Well, specs wise, specs wise, design wise, right? Too. What what I mean by and I can do without the touch bar. I, I want to touch the touch bar. <laughs> I hate the touch bars. What what I mean is they're they're going for smaller, lighter, faster, right. like Apple's been trying to do yeah. all, all these time from from the beginning of the MacBook. Apple was trying to go smaller, lighter, faster with every iteration. Yeah. That really wasn't a concern for most of the PC laptop manufacturers for a no. long time. But that's that's where Apple's truly influenced the PC side of things. I think. Smaller, lighter, faster. A little bit of trivia here. Um, Do you or anyone who's listening remember which company finally broke and said, we have to fix this problem. We're going to throw, it was hundreds of millions of dollars this company threw at that problem. You remember what company it was that said, we've got to step up the PC side of the design game? So many people want to say Microsoft here, and it's certainly not Microsoft. No, it's not Microsoft. It's not. They were late to that game. I'm blanking on it. So it's it's Intel. They were supplying yeah. chips to both the PC manufacturers and to Apple. Mm-hmm. There was no concern for them, right? They said, listen, we're selling units either way. If Mac overtakes PC, great, right? They've never been above, what, 10% market share at peak. But let's say, oh, great, you somehow take over and it flips and you're 90%. Who cares? You're still buying Apple uh, – you're still buying Intel chips. But they put – You'd have to look it up. It's like two, three, four hundred million dollars mm-hmm. and created. This is why Intel owns that brand Ultrabook. It's they said, we've got to do something like we're, we're watching part of our business just fail. Um, wow. Sorry. I took us on a tangent. No, that, that makes that's sense, it. though. It's cool. But it is. And, <clears throat> and I guess that's another thing I'm nerding about, about is um, retro tech, but stuff we wouldn't consider retro. I've learned about myself. I am a desktop person. Oh, me too. I will be 90 and my great-grandchildren will be looking at me saying, what is wrong with you? Why is there a keyboard on your lap in front of the holographic whatever? And I'm going to say, sorry, kiddos, this is how I grew up. Keyboard and a mouse. Mm. And yeah, touch is great. Gestures are great. But I, I want them all. I don't want to exclude any of the options. I never want to take away an option. I get Only that. add in. Yeah. And so I've been I've been looking at a lot of people who are on their phone all the time. And going back to a little bit of my old biases, I'm thinking, yeah, but I really just want the phone to disappear. And I want this to be a small computer that connects with my laptop, that connects with my desktop. And I want to say from any one of those, hey, Siri, Alexa, Cortana, whoever, make a call and it come from my number. 
I think we're close to that, and I'm just I'm I'm nerdy about it. Of we're really close to that. Who's going to be first? And right now, Apple has a lead because, and it's an artificial lead, and they're going to lose it quickly. But but hear me out. They have a lead because the iPhone and the Apple Watch can share a number. I think they're about to be beat. Oh, they're it's going to be fast, Google. right? Google. When have you looked at Google Home? A buddy of mine has been studying Google Home deeply yeah, because he desperately wants it and apparently there's some ridiculous deal they're doing for it at Black Friday all over the place. I'm waiting on it. Where you can get multiples for dirt cheap. I'm actually going to go with Echoes but anyway, I'm waiting on those deals. See, I've got an Echo. I, I like my Amazon yeah. Echo but this this home thing is awesome. Apparently, there's a way to connect it into your Android phone, into Chrome on either the PC or the Mac or both, yeah. into your Google, um, whatever the TV thing he's called, I guess the Google Chromecast. Cast, the Chromecast. Yeah. You can connect them all together so that you can control everything through any of those devices at any given time with voice commands through the Google Home. So admittedly, that sounds a lot like Cortana. <laughs> that is, mean, she's but not, they're gonna do it cheaper. Right, yeah, and, and, and probably make it actually work. I mean, yeah. if anyone's following my Twitter feed, you probably see me asking Microsoft, but I wasn't complaining for once. I actually put a support question. I didn't put the little period before the at mention on Twitter. It was a real question of <laughs> why exactly do I need a headset to talk to Cortana on my Xbox? Like I don't use this as a gaming rig. I use it mm. as an entertainment rig. And so I was plugging a little, I plugged a webcam in first because now you can use webcams with, um, uh, they renamed Beam as Mixer or Mixer as Beam. Which way did that go? Whatever that thing is they bought to compete with Twitch, that will never work out. Um, so you can use webcams and, and broadcast now, but you can't plug a USB microphone in and talk to Cortana on the Xbox. I'm like, why do I need a chat headset? Yeah, that's silly. It is really silly, but I, I think Google has a better view there. I, I really think Amazon is the leader in this space, though. I'm really wanting to put a whole bunch of Echo devices in. And my wife's just fighting me tooth and nail. She's like, I don't want something listening all the time. And I said, you you don't know it, but half the devices I have are already listening all the time. You know, yeah. I, I mean, that I think that was a hard reality for him. Like, you do know I record from home a lot. Like, all I have to do, I'll, I won't air the, <laughs> we'll talk about it afterwards. But the process of like, I can hear almost any room in the house just serendipitously. Got your whole house rigged. Right, not, not even attempting to. It's yeah. just because oh, I've it's got this is, piece of equipment yeah. here, this piece of equipment here. Well, it, it becomes hard not to have that happen when you start making your home a smart home. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, there, there's advantages and there's disadvantages to it. It's but but it's pretty cool. I, I tend to err on the side of I want everything to be smart because I love tech. Yeah. And you know, going back to your interface question, um, I'm a desktop guy myself. At home, see Good. at work, Good. I'm Good. at work I'm Apple because yeah. I have to be because this is what we use. This is what we use here. At home, I'm 100% PC. I, I barely even ever open my MacBook at home right. unless I'm, it's for work. I'm the same way. So I, I game on the PC. I don't even like playing games on the Xbox or the, the PS4. I'm a PC gamer. You know, me too. I have an Xbox. Um, I, I prefer it on the on the desktop. Yeah, so I don't, I don't really like using controllers. I always use keyboard and mouse. Always have, probably always will when it comes to that. However, I do like using my phone. I enjoy, enjoy having access to everything out where I'm at quickly. I also have really started to love my Oculus Rift and gaming through the Rift with the gesture commands and the actual VR yeah. and grabbing things. And that that there, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with that. So are I you found. ready for contact lenses and glasses where you can just 
do that in the real world? Man, or? I've been ready for those yeah. since the 1980s. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. Speaking of nerding out, um, I had I don't even remember what this thing was called. It was probably made by Namco or one of those types of companies. And it was just, and this must have been early 90s. It's this headband you put on your head. And what it did is it over one of your eyes, you could set it for either eye, I believe. It literally just had a cartridge that went in. It's almost, um, it would have gone in... Uh, um, perpendicular to your head. So it's like you're laying a cartridge flat against your, not flat against your forehead, sticking out from your forehead. Well, it goes in and a light beams down through it. And depending on where the light is, you see the characters moving. So it created this super simple platformer that was then reflected off of a little clear piece of plastic that beamed it into your eye. That was it. So it was like a super early version of Google Glass. I mean, and, and yeah. yeah, so, and it was all red light, just like all the VR stuff oh, in yeah. the 90s was. That was uh, yes, consumer. the Nintendo Virtual Boy. Yeah. That thing gave me such a headache. <laughs> that thing pops up on this show all the time. To, it just, it keeps coming up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I, I remember, I used to work at. Um, it was like that, but in one eye, and yeah. it was not horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I used, when the Virtual Boy came out, I was actually working at Babbage's, which is what. Yeah. Today, it's, it's GameStop before mm-hmm. GameStop was GameStop. And, uh, you know, back when it was more than just games, it was it was computer software, it was productivity yeah. software, console stuff, everything across the board. Anything computer or gaming related, that's where you got it. Anyway, when, when the Virtual Boy came out, I remember the Nintendo rep coming into the store and training all of us on it. <laughs> and after the Nintendo rep left the store, we had our demo model there, and all of us just looked at each other and said, what the hell are they thinking? Wow. This thing is not going to go anywhere. It looks terrible. It's hard to use. You get a neck ache and a headache using it. And because to it, that point, I think maybe... Did you have to have it table mounted? Like yeah, you, yeah. It had to be table. Well, it, it had, you know, legs that came out. You sat it on the table. The problem was, as you put your head into it, yeah. and because you, you had to lean down into it, right. you know, like Spock's old console yeah. in TOS, um, the original series. Well, now you just made know. me want one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it would push it across the thing the more right. you tried to lean forward. And so it killed your neck, killed your shoulders, gave you a horrible headache. The games were terrible. And true to what we predicted over the first holiday season, of the 10 we sold, nine got returned. Oh, really? <laughs> it was terrible. Really? Yeah, we stopped selling them about six months later. Oh. You know, I bet someone out there has one and it's working. And boy, wouldn't you love to see that now? Wouldn't you love to just see? Because there's no way that our recollections of it are as true as what re-experiencing it would be. Now, oh, that's very true. Now that we've been in Oculus and the HTC Vive and everywhere else. I'm pretty sure I'd look at it for about two minutes, then I'd go put my Oculus on and play Bridge Commander again. <laughs> I, you know, I, it surprises me, though, that more of that like head-mounted type of the display I was talking about that just projects the light down mm-hmm. and it reflects off something and you see it. I'm really surprised we haven't had more of that. Um, I think the reason for that is not so much technical as it is social and cultural. Because if you yeah. remember back when Google was testing the glass and they had they were really ready to start putting that thing out for right. purchase, there was a lot of societal and cultural backlash on it with people worrying they were being recorded at any given moment, you know, attacking people that were wearing it. So I think I think that has a lot more to do with why Google backed off on it yeah. than anything else because they had the tech working. The tech demos proved they had the tech working. Right. Yeah. So I, I think society. Well, all just except not for the battery life, right? Wasn't the battery life battery only like two, two hours or yeah. so if you kept it on? 
That's yeah, the battery life was an issue, but I mean, everything else, it looked fine in your eyes. You pull up, you can download stuff, whatever. Now, I never got to yeah. use one. I never saw one in the wild. Never, um, never really pursued it. Frankly, I kind of thought this thing will pick up or it won't. Um, but I, I am a little bit shocked that we're not further along. Um, I, I guess I am, and I'm not. I, you're, you're right. I don't think people are ready for it because I don't think people understand what we're going to do with it. And I think the technology needs to evolve. I think that somewhere deep inside of Google and deep inside of Microsoft, those two companies probably understand what we're going to do with it, but they don't know how to get from point A to point B. I, I, I really think that's true. And I don't, think, I don't think either of those companies will ultimately be successful. Yeah, it's, it's going to end up being somebody else. And it's going to have to be yeah. somebody else that's partnered with, partnered with a company that deals in, you know cybernetic type stuff are we talking implants or no no yeah uh, i'm talking i think the, i think the first time that something like that's truly going to be a successful thing is when you got a, a lens a contact I lens th- style i think thing. so some type of contact lens um i think we could get some glasses i'm going to go cheaper and get glasses oh I man just, i want the lenses I'm, when I'm, they come out. I'm all i'm all for that um but you know i don't think here's here's what happens um you know i'm a big fan of all things futurism whether it's dystopian utopian or none of the above and i, I get a little bit frustrated when people start talking about oh we're going to have all these cybernetic implants and we're going to be you know these these monsters i don't i don't think we're ever going to need the cybernetic implants i don't think we need to tap into the brain I mean, with what we can do, just taking regular old EKG technology and then applying it, we have people, you know, now just piloting drones to get aerial photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So something that was pioneered to give people who have had medical issues uh, the ability to communicate, right, to communicate with their mind. We've taken, we as a species, have taken that technology and turned it into something almost recreational. You can play some limited video games. With with uh, some of the early entrance to that, Hank, there's uh, there's actually some uh, Star Wars toys that you can buy at Toys R Us for like thirty forty dollars, where you put on a headband and you control uh, a droid, right? You know, and when you get to that level of simplicity, right, to where we can do something like that, you start building applications and you scale up. Yeah, I, I think one thing that that um, Again, maybe to go too much to the business side, but one place my mind takes me, all of my undergrad experience, all of my work experience, all my grad school, everything just takes me to this point, is the truth of taking anything you love, whether you're working on a board game or building a, or writing a movie or whether you're building a brand new dot com, whatever it is, the best strategy is not to try to aim for that de- the final destination, that final product, because you're going to spend, you're going to go into development hell. Right, just start with something simple. What works? If you can take this product off the shelf from Toys R Us, you can probably import the same technology very cheaply, slap it in a device and say, look what we can do. If you want to get to the point to where you can control everything in your house by thinking, you know, open blinds, do this, do that, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get there. But for now, we've got to start simple. And I think that people try to jump to the end game too much. And then um, then it just spirals out of control. Right. They, they don't they don't want to take the journey to get there. They want to get to the end and just boom, done. And that that's when it doesn't work. Well. I'm guilty of that, too. I think, I, of, I think all of us are. I think the next real step of blending technologies together is uh, the combination of what you're talking about with like the mental control is it's getting so much better. Uh, and um, VR. 
So taking those two, uh, two things and merging them together. And what I was just looking up was I couldn't remember the author, but it, it was uh, it's, it's the type of thing that was actually predicted to an extent uh, in a book called Neuromancer back in the yeah. early 80s by William Gibson. And it's all about how entertainment at that point and, well, it, really anything, business, espionage, everything becomes this virtual space type thing, kind of like Tron. Yeah. But instead of, you know, getting digitized into the system, you're going to put on your VR headset that has, you know, the EKG readings and everything in it, and you're going to be able to just sit back and exist in the virtual world. I think that's really the next stage, the next step. And there, there's there's positives and negatives to that. As science fiction has shown us, there's a good side to it, and there's, there's always a bad side to it, but... Well, there's always a bad side. I'm going to put a teaser there, though, because uh, I think it was last episode I announced that I am working on a book, my, my first book, and, I, and it's going to be you know out through multi-new media sometime 2018. But the whole concept of it is what business technology do we have now and where does it go in the future? So it's an emerging technologies type of um, book that I'm working on. And I see things evolving. And if we look at these classic views of what VR was going to be, of what holograms were going to be of, of everything, just computing in general. And we, I, I really think we need to sit down at the table and reimagine, okay, what does that mean given what's happened? We're yeah. still taking these ideas from the 1980s and 1990s, but we're ignoring the real world transitions that have happened that we can empirically use to say, you know what? Societies don't become cyborgs. We still go outside and play soccer and, and walk the park and do all these things. In yeah. fact, we try to automate even more so and so that we can get technology away from us. We carry small computers with us in the form of a phone so that we don't have to sit and look at a computer all the time. And so I think if we take that and expand out, I, I really think it'll be seamless. I think that virtual world will come into the real world and we will – and, and I, I'm going to give a long prediction. This is not going to be in the book because it's not immediately relevant for business. But I ultimately think 100, 200 years from now – you and I can just sit in a room together like this and out of nowhere materialize things to sit on the counter or just pop up a holographic screen in the middle of the air because that's what humans do. We create new tools to become masters of our environment. And if we can't do that, we recreate the environment. So when people say, oh, we'll never have these holograms, you can't project one in air. Well, one, we'll either figure out how or two, we'll change the environment so that we can. And I don't mean the whole global environment. I mean uh, the, the room we're in. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right to an extent. I actually think it's going to be faster than you think it is. Faster than 100 years. Yeah. Probably. Well, we, we do know that the curve of technological pace is, is increasing. I would love to do maybe some academic research on that side of, of just how fast do we think that's going to be able to go before we'd have some type of a massive pullback. Yeah. Because well, we, people can't keep up anymore. If you look at if you look at history and the, the history of technology, there, there's always an inciting moment, an inciting event that can't be predicted ahead of time. Right. That causes a significant and major change in the technology the world's using. The web being one. The web's yeah. one. Uh, going back even further to, to pre-computers, well, almost pre-computers, uh, just look at the Civil War. Mm -hmm. The ironclads, that's a great example of it. You have two ships that barely even engaged with each other in their first battle, hardly even saw each other yeah. in their first battle. And within one year, naval warfare as we know it had changed. 
Mm -hmm. thus drastically changing the direction the world went. Right. It led directly to major technological changes in the First World War. Actually, everything leading yeah. up to that point, and so on and so forth. So that's one example of it. Another great example of it that has has changed everything and still is, even in this moment today, is the space race. Yeah. That's something that's, nobody could have predicted. We landed on the moon less than 50 years. Right. After you, flight became a commercial thing where yeah, more than two people that. could get on an airplane. Nobody could have predicted that path. And I and the well, same thing with home computing. I mean, of course, we predicted the path. We just we, – we had the time frame all wrong. Very wrong. Right? You yeah. know, and, and that makes me wonder. Well, when we talk about going into, into hyperspace and being able to go from here and there, okay, that was a galaxy a long time ago, far, far away. But, but people think, oh, this is so far in the future. Maybe you're absolutely right. I mean, NASA's actively working on trying to create static warp bubbles. Yeah. There's going to be – there's going to be – it's – there's just going to be that breakthrough that happens in each one of these things that when it does, the world's going to change. And yeah. it's going to change overnight and – we're going to go, what the heck just happened? This is awesome. And that, that's, that's what has happened at each one of these paradigm shifts throughout history. And they, be, they seem to happen more and more frequently over the last 40 to 50 years. I think that's because we have that advancement of technology and mm-hmm. you've got that exponential curve. And Should there is, a, there is a name for that. Yeah. I can't recall it at the time. If I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. It's, uh, so, yeah, I, I think it'll happen faster than you think it's going to happen. I, you know, I think I'm so nerded out at this point. I'm so optimistic. I think that's a perfect place to end it. Of, I, I mean, I'm okay. Wait, now I'm heartbroken because I've got to wait another year to start one of these episodes. Maybe you need to do two a year. Oh. And I will say to your thing of where you want to be in 100 to 200 years. Yeah. In 100 to 200 years, I'm going to be sitting in the command chair of a Federation starship. I'm still hopeful that Star Trek is our actual future. I, you know what? I, I don't disagree. I, I think it. I really think. Okay, so maybe not the Klingons and the Romulans and the Vulcans, but I do think that um, whether that type of intelligent species or a different type of intelligent species is out there, I think you're right as far as human exploration goes. Yeah. I think we're going to be taking some little uh, – it may not be warp. I think it's we may be, be taking some type of a quantum jump. Uh, I bet whatever it actually ends Shall up being – Shall we say a quantum leap? A quantum leap. <laughs> I bet whatever it ends up being technology-wise because – Star Trek has so heavily affected our technology development. We're we'll going to call it we'll warp. We'll call it warp. Yeah. And our first multi-person ship is probably going to be the Enterprise. I, w- I would hope. I would hope. Um, and NASA did it with the space shuttles. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, then, you know, every other fleet is going to have to have a Columbia and yeah, a Challenger. Exactly. And a, a Atlantis and an Endeavor. Hopefully you're, a Discovery. Yeah. <laughs> I'll always bring it back to Star Trek somehow. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, we were on space shuttles and Star Trek. So, hey, Garrett, thanks for joining me today. This has My been pleasure. our third Nerd Out November, and it has been wonderful. Again, thanks so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks. All right, everybody, that is our 2017 Nerd Out November, and good news, we have just renewed ourselves for season four. You already knew that. We did that a while back, but we are taking suggestions for any type of topic you'd like to hear about in the business technology world or in general. Feedback at multinewmedia.com is our email address. If you'd like to be on the show, let us know what you'd like to talk about or what you'd like to hear other people talk about. 
because we're working on planning our wonderful episodes for next year, and we want to be sure to keep you, our listener, in mind first and foremost as we make our plans moving forward. All right, everybody, until next time. Wait for it. Keep waiting. All right, here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.